0: Gorbachev teared down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com, and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, everybody, welcome
1: to our guest segment. I'm so excited to have him with us tonight. Uh, So many books. uh, You can go on Amazon and type in Dylan Howard. Now, if you don't know how to spell it, that's D-Y-L-A-N, Howard, And so many great books there. He's got a book on uh, Princess Diana. There's a book uh, about the Jeffrey Epstein case, which, of course, we did that interview uh, about six weeks ago. There's a book about Charles Manson. If you're somebody that loves true crime, you got to get this guy's books. They are fantastic. And I just finished the book today, uh, the Dylan Howard, Aaron Hernandez's Killing Fields. And Dylan Howard, welcome to the show, sir.
0: Jim, it's good to be with you.
1: I I have to tell you, I I know you were were ill when we were supposed to have you last time, and your colleague James Roberson filled in for you on the Epstein book. Yes, that's right. And he was fantastic. I wanted to give you credit for having such a knowledgeable guy working with you.
0: Well, you know, in these types of instances, you need people that are prepared to dig into the truth. And my co-authors on the Epstein book, Melissa Cronin, And James Robertson are two of the finest reporters that I've ever worked with. But it's important that you surround yourself with those types, uh, with these very complicated stories, in order to be able to garner new information. And both Melissa and James are fantastic investigators in their own right. And it was my absolute pleasure to work with them on that particular book.
1: And before we get into this book, you have quite a lot of things going on with the podcasts as well. I just started discovering some of these different podcasts that you're involved with, how many different podcasts are you either the voice of or involved with, you know, the, the, the you know, behind-the-scenes of? And how can people find out, like, all of the different podcasts that you uh, have been involved with?
0: So I'm the executive producer of a number of uh, true crime-related podcasts. The two that are, I guess, if you like, for want of a better phrase, on air at the moment, a limited series on Bay of K Jr. Um, and also John JonBenet Ramsey. The John JonBenet Ramsey investigation is particularly important to me because I teamed with her father and her brother in exploring some of the suspects that were found on the uh, Colorado Boulder PD's database that were never thoroughly looked at. And with John and John Jr.'s uh, cooperation, we have been investigating and seeking the DNA of these suspects to either rule them in or out in the potential murder of John Binet Ramsey some 22 years later. Uh, we also had a Diana podcast in the last year, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, and one of my favorites that I'd narrated was a case that is very close to my heart and one which I still long for a resolution for, and that is Natalie Wood. The podcast we put out was The Fatal Voyage, uh, The Mysterious Death of Natalie Wood, which on um, well, we way broke new ground in the investigation, I was nominated for a Webby Award and um, really did for the first time shine light on the suspicious circumstances surrounding her death with the Alec Sheriff's Department confirming that uh that she was found with bruises in conspicuous areas that would suggest she was thrown overboard. So that was a, a fine piece of work for myself and the team of investigators that did work on that particular case.
1: I I loved that podcast, Fatal Voyage. That was incredible. I'm listening to the JFK Junior one. I'm listening now to yeah. the John Benet Ramsey one. The the one about the John Benet Ramsey. I, I'm frustrated. There's only like one episode a week. I keep checking my my app. Like <laughs> where where is it? It's got to no. It's not Monday yet. You don't get it yet. So I'm like I'm on edge today because I want the John Benet episode. Uh, that all of these stories are stories that um, involve people that are famous, involve uh, suspicious crimes. Why do you think that we're so fascinated with with cases like this of true crime involving famous people?
0: Well, I think if there is an, a, an aura of uh, suspicion, or if there is no period on the end of the sentence, that it behooves someone like myself uh, who likes to investigate these cases, not for financial gain, but because they are unresolved, unsolved mysteries, that I use myself and my team of resources and individuals that I consider to be some of the finest investigators in the world. And if I don't have a particular investigator, I will go and recruit them um that we try and shine a light on a dark place. And these are definitely the best kind of stories. You know, you, I, when I met with John Ramsey in his hometown in Utah, it broke my heart. Here is someone who has been uh, torn apart by the death of his daughter and the subsequent media coverage. And to sit down face-to-face with him, get to know him, really put a human side on a story that a lot of people have covered and don't get that aspect of it. And if the investigation into John JonBenet Ramsey is the podcast can do one thing, and that might well be keep the prospect of one suspect alive um, and make the Boulder PD look into a suspect more thoroughly, then we've done our job.
1: Yeah, I, I found it shocking that they, uh, even to this day, don't seem cooperative. It's almost like, okay, you guys have bungled this case every way you could possibly imagine. Now at least open everything up for someone else to be able to have access to uh, DNA. Tell us what you've done. It's It's almost like their position is, hey, we're going to hold on to this case, even though we have messed this up. We're holding on to it. We don't want anybody else to look into it. And and what's interesting is a lot of the players that were involved in that case are still around because you would think after all these years yeah. they would be gone, but but no, they're they're still around there having a you know authority to to prevent other people from looking into the case.
0: And they're not looking into the case, Jim. That's the saddest part about it. It is you know for want of a better phrase, a cold case. Even though even though they say it is an active investigation. The worst thing about the John Bonet case was that the Boulder PD had never dealt with that type of murder before. I don't even think they investigated a homicide prior to John Bonet Ramsey. And it was botched from the very first circumstance. The investigation was riddled with errors and it would behoove the Boulder PD to turn this over to a law enforcement agency that is that, that prepared to give it the time and resources that are required. Because as John Ramsey said to me, this is not about him. He goes to bed every day and wakes up every day knowing that his daughter likely died because of his financial circumstances and that he was one of the wealthiest people in Boulder, Colorado. But this is about his son, John Jr., and his kids that are always forever going to have the John JonBenet Association attached to them and a case unresolved is a case that needs investigation. And that's why myself and others have turned their attention to it. Now, I don't think for one reason uh, or for one moment that I'm going to crack a case that the cops didn't crack. But what I might be able to do is shed new light on a case that the cops bungled. And if that helps the investigation in one way, as I said earlier, we've done our job.
1: And you got to think, too, that... As much as time passes on, maybe someone will come forward that knows something um, that can at least just clear this up. Uh, It could even be that the person that did this, maybe the person that did this is now deceased and someone knows. And this can just give some closure to this if if the family could at least know.
0: We're actively out in the field getting DNA to test these suspects to either rule them in or out, we set up uh, a tip line, tips at justice for com, And we have been inundated with a lot of theories and some substantial tips that we're going to run down. And I don't think that the end of the podcast is the end of our investigation into John Benet Ramsey.
1: Very good. Well, we'll continue to follow that. And uh, I want to move now into this uh, book about Aaron Hernandez. The book is called Aaron Hernandez's Killing Fields. Were you involved at all with a Netflix documentary? I watched that over the weekend in addition to reading your book, and uh, I thought may- maybe you might have been involved in that too because I saw so many sort of parallel uh, thought lines of thought.
0: So, no, I wasn't. It was through happenstance that there were three documentaries that were released at the same time. There was the investigation discovery uh documentary called aaron hernandez an id murder mystery there was the netflix documentary and there was also a documentary that i directed and executive produced for the reels channel called aaron hernandez killing fields which was the companion tie-in to the book it just so happened that all three documentaries were released over the same weekend much has been made of the netflix documentary much criticism has been made of the Netflix documentary. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the criticism. I think that the Netflix documentary shed some much needed light on Aaron's troubles, his trials and tribulations, but it overlooked some very serious issues, as did the ID uh, um, uh, documentary. The Reels presentation uh, was one that followed the book very closely, and that is that it looked at a particular case in Boston that we believe, through evidence, that Aaron Hernandez was responsible for a fourth unknown murder. In addition, we were the only ones to speak to the man who knew him the closest in the final moments of his life, Kyle Kennedy, an inmate, uh, at Sousa Baranowski Correctional Facility just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, an individual whom claims to have had a romantic relationship with Aaron Hernandez in his final hours, and who told me in a series of interviews over the course of two years in various prisons that Aaron admitted to him that he was responsible for the death of the two men in Boston, that he killed Odin Lloyd, and was responsible for a fourth unknown murder. Inevitably, when you interview someone in jail and they tell you that someone's responsible for a murder that you never knew about, it sets you on a path to try and discover that. And through witnesses and through new evidence that we were able to establish, we placed Aaron Hernandez at a scene uh, two weeks before the death of Odin Lloyd and the murder uh, of another uh, Bostonian who looked remarkably like Odin Lloyd. And we believe that Aaron executed this individual in a case of mistaken identity. Hmm. This is a case that the Boston PD have never, ever been able to solve. We believe the Boston PD should... Uh, Open the investigation into the death of Jordan Miller because all signs point to Aaron Hernandez being responsible for this fourth, never before known murder.
1: And uh, in the book, towards the end, and and I'll uh, I want to tell people right up front, we're just going to scratch the surface tonight. This book is fantastic. I couldn't give it a higher recommendation. It is incredibly detailed. This is not just. Uh, a, a real shallow book. A lot of times you see these kind of books and you read them and you're like, oh, I already knew all this. You're going to read this book, folks, and you're not going to have heard any of this in in anywhere else. I mean, it is incredible. And, and at the end of the book, there is the suggestion, the allegation is that maybe... That there were four murders, three attempted murders, and then there was, there was the one bar fight also that is documented when he was yeah. a student at the University of Florida, which is where I want to start by asking you about the University of Florida. I'm two hours drive right where I'm sitting from the University of Florida. Um, that is an incredible town all about that football team. And one of the things that, really bothered me after reading the book was you have this coach, Urban Meyer, and then you have these scenes uh, in the documentary that I saw of, you know, teams, the team praying together and Urban Meyer having Bible studies with the players in in his home. And you've got Tim Tebow with the Bible verses written on his face and all of this and all that's great. And I'm a Christian and and that's fine. Uh, But then you look at the reality though, like, okay, if, if this is being run on Christian principles uh, you know, what about all of these arrests of players? What about this fixer, this attorney in town that goes mm-hmm. out in the middle of night and gets people out of trouble, gets charges dropped by the police and all of this? And then you look at the graduation rate of the players in that program, which are among the lowest of any uh of the teams at that level, and and you start to think to yourself, What's really going on here? that this this is like almost like a false image they're trying to present all of this Christianity. And then the real truth is we're out at bars at night beating people up and doing all these things. And then this mysterious lawyer who claims, that he's actually not officially representing anybody, but he shows up in the middle of the night to get people out of these situations on behalf of the team. Um, it's like Ray Donovan, <laughs> the HBO show. Well, first, what is going on?
0: Yeah, like, first, 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 let me say there is no doubt in my mind that the college football system and the NFL failed systematically in the Aaron Hernandez case. Uh, When he was recruited to the New England Patriots, he was expected to be a much higher pick than he was. But the scouting report knew the demons that lie within Aaron Hernandez. And he wasn't uh, picked up until late, late in the round. And the system failed him. They knew that he was problematic. They knew that he had a temper issue. And they knew of past instances. And, Jim, you bring up the case. Uh, in Gainesville, Florida, where Aaron Hernandez, as a young 18-year-old, was at a bar with Tim Tebow when uh, a dispute occurred over a bill and whether or not Aaron should pay for the drinks that he'd consumed that night at the local drinking establishment. He then proceeded to get into an argument with the waiter and it ended up with Aaron punching him in the eardrum so severely that it ruptured the eardrum. But before police could press charges, the man was paid off, and he didn't file charges. And that was the first in a long list of issues that the university was involved in covering up, which really set the tone for Aaron to be able to do what he did in subsequent years because there was no consequence for his behaviour and everything was taken care of. You screw up and all of a sudden, there are no repercussions. So Aaron Hernandez, towards the end of his NFL career, when he murdered Odin Lloyd and was obviously dropped by the New England Patriots, thought that he was invincible. Invincible because he was a star and a star that did so well on the football field that the consequences of his actions off the field were not of issue to the establishments that he worked for, the university and the New England Patriots. Now, we live in a very different environment now. The NFL has seemingly cleaned up attacks and has a zero-tolerance policy towards these types of things. But the catalyst for that really was Aaron Hernandez and his consequence-free behaviour which ultimately, in my view, ended up in the execution-style killing of four innocent men. And that makes him a serial killer. And Jordan Miller, the fourth person that I mentioned earlier, the case of mistaken identity, I communicate with his aunt via email. And she's so frustrated that despite this evidence that we have uncovered, despite the new information and witnesses that the Boston PD have not seemingly take taken any action on what was a cold case that they now say is an active investigation. It's very, very simple. Here's what you do. And I'm not a homicide detective, but this is what you do, Jim. You find out the caliber bullet that was used or found in the lifeless body of Jordan Miller, and you compare it to the bullets that were found inside Odin Lloyd two weeks later, there might be a match. Even if there's not a match, we know that Hernandez had an arsenal of weapons. But that's the very basic piece of examination that needs to be done. And I've read the police reports, and the police reports don't indicate what weapon was used, what calibre bullet was used to kill Jordan Miller in this particular instance. And it would behoove the Boston PD to try and bring peace to the family of Jordan Miller, who for the last uh, nine years have been torn up by the lack of an ending to their brother, their nephew, uh, to his life. And that's a travesty of justice.
1: What do you think was going on psychologically with Aaron Hernandez? Here's a guy who gets a $40 million contract. I mean, by any measure, you are one of the wealthiest people in the in the country. You could pretty much buy any house you want, any car you want, go on the most marvelous trips, buy the most expensive clothing. But yet he chose... Well, he was off the clock as a football player to largely live like a gang member. He would drive around in the middle of the night with all these guns. He had cars with secret compartments that would hold guns. Um, Was this like a a split personality? Was he living in some kind of a fantasy that he was really wanted to be this gang personality at night? And then during the day, he was the football personality. What was going on there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that I grapple with. I, I read, uh, I obviously, watching the Super Bowl tonight, uh, I read an article on my way to the venue that I, I am at from Box Media in which they completely uh, eviscerate the Netflix documentary and talk about how his sexuality became a part of the storyline, as it did in my documentary and my book. I think it's a key element. There is no doubt that Aaron Hernandez lived a closeted life And as a result of that particular existence, he felt compelled to act out. Regardless of that, there is the issue of CTE, the degenerative brain disease that is caused from helmet to helmet contact. And we know that Aaron Hernandez, when he died, had one of the worst cases of CTE that medical professionals had ever seen. We know that he grew up in a fractured household where his dad didn't embrace Aaron's desire to want to be a male cheerleader who forced him into football. His mother ultimately ended up having an affair with another relative in the family, and he had a very fractured growing up, a, a traumatic growing up. But that doesn't excuse one's behavior, right? This is where the system let Aaron Hernandez down. When someone is earning $40 million a year as a contract, how about we park a million away as an organization and say, we need this footballer to be mentally sound and we need to protect his life. And by doing that, we need to put him through intense psychotherapy and psychiatry in order to remedy the issues that he has in his life. Instead, because he was a star on the football field, They turned a blind eye. And Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots have a lot to answer for when it comes to Aaron Hernandez. So I don't subscribe to this sympathetic view of Aaron Hernandez. He had CTE. He had a fractured household, and he was a closeted homosexual. It doesn't matter. He still was the heinous individual who killed, in my eyes, four people.
1: And, and and like you is. said you like you said uh the, you know the, the patriots w- when we talk about enabling and then the patriots they set up like this small uh, sort of hidden apartment for him to go to when he went to them and told them he was being supposedly hunted by by other gang members yeah uh and he wanted to be traded to get out of the city and they uh, set up this uh, sort of you know inconspicuous location for him to go hide the out in out, they, they knew yeah. all of this was going on and then then they come out as if like they are these upstanding moral people to say oh well now that we know we're you know definitely you know separating ourselves from him uh it, it's just amazing the hypocrisy
0: I I, I don't disagree. I think that the NFL should be credited for uh, reversing its behavior with regards to these types of scenarios. But I still think that there are blood on a lot of people's hands and they've got away with it just as much as Aaron got away with the murder of the two individuals in Boston and the fourth never-before-known murder. And that is a travesty of justice.
1: And for those people just tuning in, our guest is Dylan Howard. The book is available on Amazon. You can go over there and grab it. It's available uh in both uh you can get it in hardcover. It's also in Kindle and for those of you that love the audiobooks like I do, if you're an Audible member, you can grab it for a 1 1 credit. Uh you can go get that as, as an audiobook. Uh by the way, uh, Mr. Howard, do you actually narrate the uh audiobook?
0: I don't no I don't well for uh, people
1: that love your voice that'll be a, a disappointment but still buy it
0: <laughs> it'll <laughs> still be
1: fun I, you know a lot of people I, just I,
0: I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing I'll tell you one thing Jim I have received and Michelle McPhee another journalist that had covered and please excuse the sirens in the background I'm standing in the middle of a New York street no worries uh, on 8th Avenue no worries moment, it
1: adds a little uh, bit of context to our it adds a little bit of uh, context to our discussion
0: the we'll just, fire no it's worries. Just gone straight
1: past me. Um,
0: Michelle McPhee is another journalist that covered the Aaron Hernandez case significantly and broke ground in the investigation. She's been subjected to death threats as a result of her work and that she was featured in the Netflix documentary. I myself have received countless abusive messages on social media. One person suggesting that I should be murdered. I should be raped, that Aaron Hernandez did nothing wrong and that he was the star of the New England Patriots. These people live in a separate society. They think because he was a football star, he was not guilty of anything. And the media is just latching onto this and besmirching his name. Well, I'm here to tell you this. Aaron Hernandez is the greatest serial killer who have ever played sports in the world don't 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 for one moment concern yourself with oj simpson and the murder of ron goldman and uh nicole brown simpson of course he was acquitted for that aaron hernandez in my view killed four people and that makes him the greatest serial killer in sports history
1: now the 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 strangest part of this story uh Mr. Howard to me is the whole issue of the suicide because for people that don't understand sort of the timeline of all this so we have the first conviction he's convicted of murder for killing Odin Lloyd, which gives him a lifetime sentence. So he's facing life in prison, although there is hopes through an appeal that maybe he can have that reversed, So that's sort of one ball that's up in the air that he's thinking about. Then he brings in... Jose Baez of Casey Anthony Uh, fame. Now I'm right here in central Florida. We know who Jose Baez is. And, and if you know, if you, if you wake up one morning and you have a dead child in your trunk, it happens to be your own child and you can't explain uh, what happened. And the child then is buried a block from where you live and you still can't answer any questions. You get Jose Baez and you are not guilty. Uh, It's, it's an amazing thing, but he, he brings him in. And then on the second trial, there are two charges of murder, and he's found surprisingly not guilty. uh, Despite the evidence, he's found not guilty. Um, But then he goes and commits suicide, and in the Netflix documentary, they throw out this idea of something called abatement, which is that they they think Mm -hmm. that what he was considering was, if I kill myself well, my one case that's still percolating as a as an appeal, that would then close that case, it would cause there to be this so-called abatement, and then all of these millions of dollars that I'm still owed would then go to my family. And so the thought was, hey, maybe this was a good last dying act to kill himself to try and free up millions of dollars to his uh you know, the mother of his child and to his to his daughter and and that was the idea. It never worked in court ultimately, as far as I understood it. But do you think That's that correct. is what he was thinking?
0: A cold blooded killer doesn't kill himself if there is light at the end of the tunnel. And his acquittal on the two murders in Boston gave him hope. And hope doesn't kill a man. He believed that he was going to be exonerated. And that is the great unknown. And that is what will remain the great unknown about the Aaron Hernandez tragedy. Why on that fateful night did he decide to take his own life when seemingly he he, he was on the path with Jose Baez to be acquitted of the Odin Lloyd murder? Now, was it because he knew that he was responsible for a fourth murder and that people were going to come after him for that? or other gang members were going to come after him, we can't answer that question. We can only deal with the facts. And the facts tell us that Aaron Hernandez, by killing himself, was a coward because he was unable to uh, accept the truth. And the truth was that he killed those two people in Boston. He admitted that to Carl Kennedy, his jailhouse lover, who I spoke with on multiple occasions over two years. And that Aaron Hernandez, though there was light at the end of the tunnel, the walls were seemingly closing in on him. And your point about Jose Baez is a very pertinent issue. Aaron Hernandez was said to have left three suicide notes. That is if you believe Jose Baez. Jose Baez said those suicide notes were to Cheyenne, his fiancée, one for him, and one to his daughter. However, prison authorities have told me that there was a fourth letter, and that fourth letter never made it into the hands of its intended recipient, and that was Kyle Kennedy, the man that was his closest companion inside prison, the man who was number two to him of the Bloods gang inside Sousa Baranowski, and the man who claims he was his lover. Uh, I posed that question in my documentary to Jose Baez on camera. He said there were three letters. I said, what about the fourth letter? He said, there is not a fourth letter. I said, well, I have access, and I read to him some of the other letters that uh, Hernandez wrote to Carl Kennedy. And these weren't just the musings of a individual who was talking to a friend. They were explicit. Um and Jose Baez was stunned. But Jose Baez did his job, and that was to plant a seed of doubt in the mind of the jurors, and he did. And that ultimately won uh, Aaron an acquittal, and Jose Baez believed that in a retrial, he could also achieve an acquittal in the death of Odin Lloyd. Whether or not that was going to take place remains to be seen, but that's what Jose Baez does. He is the Johnny Cochran
1: of 2020 yeah he's sure uh, a great lawyer as far as just creating uh, that little bit of doubt uh and i'll never forget in the casey anthony trial when he i don't know what it was he said but he he yelled uh something about this laughing man and he pointed at the prosecutor and that was like a like a moment out of to kill a mockingbird i mean that was like everything stopped yeah
0: Exceeded the doubt in the mind of the jurors by blaming the father for supposedly abusing Casey. That's why Casey doesn't talk to the father today. But that is, you know, I was actually talking to a lawyer on Friday with regards to the Harvey Weinstein case. There was this horrific report that came out from one of his accusers that said that uh, when he raped her, according to her, he didn't have testicles. And I said to the lawyer that I had dinner with that night, this is another, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit moment. Because the defense lawyers, all they need to do is, as seedy as this sounds, is show that the defendant in Weinstein has testicles and he would be acquitted, possibly, of the crimes that he's charged with.
1: Wow. That's that is crazy. But uh, that's how these these famous cases go. Uh, Last question. And I do appreciate you keeping your commitment tonight, even though it was the Super Bowl. I know sometimes these things get booked weeks in advance and then you think, oh, darn, it's the Super Bowl. I've got to I've got to do this interview. But I thank you so much for being here. One last question. And we've alluded to it two or three times. How much do you think was the the alleged struggle with his homosexuality, trying to keep that a secret? Uh, how much do you think that played a part in this whole story? There, there seems to be this narrative that because he was closeted, that this was the cause of a lot of these issues. Uh, do,
0: I, I think do you it was believe a big that, bar, Jim? And, and I investigate the case uh, to the point of looking at court documents. And there is one particular court document that Hernandez's legal team refused to sign off on. And that was um, providing to uh, the court information about any STDs or HIV testing that he may have undergone. Hmm. And the theory from a homicide detective interviewed as part of my book and documentary is that that wasn't ticked for a particular reason. And that reason was that the information would expose his homosexuality and the potential that he was carrying a disease that would be a tremendous embarrassment to the NFL and to the New England Patriots. Now that's a theory, I don't know if it's true but it's a very plausible one and one which gives rise to the suggestion that he might have covered up um, his sexuality and was concerned that that would become a central figure in his ongoing life, one, that he, one which he did not want.
1: Very, very fascinating. Again, I want to tell people, if you're just tuning in, the book is from Skyhorse Publishing, Aaron Hernandez's Killing Fields, Exposing Untold Murders, Violence, Cover-Ups, and the NFL's Shocking Code of Silence. Dylan Howard, thank you so much for joining us, sir. We hope you come back again soon.
0: Absolutely. Anytime.
1: Thank you. Wow, what a fascinating interview. I have to tell you, uh, I've been listening to, to these podcasts that they put out. And I just absolutely love listening to them, especially at night. Like right before I go to bed, I know this sounds weird. I'm listening the true crime podcasts before I fall asleep. You wonder what what I dream about. Um, but these are interesting stories. They really are. And you know, I I have to tell you, I I don't know why. I I'm like everybody else, I guess, captivated by these true crime stories. Whether it's the case of Princess Diana. The Jeffrey Epstein case, Natalie Wood, John Benet Ramsey, Charles Manson, uh, just fascinating stuff. And we want to know more. and We can't get enough uh, about these stories, the JFK assassination. And uh, we'll continue to make this one of our themes on the broadcast. Uh, do pick up the book. It is a really well written book, and I would tell you if it wasn't, I would not be uh, pounding this uh, like I am right now. I could just be polite and just give the name of the book, but uh, I finished reading it today, and it is extremely detailed. There are pictures that you'll want to look at in the in the middle of the book. There are color pictures. There are documents uh, scanned in and and uh, put on the pages for you to actually look at them yourself. So if you're at all interested in this story, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of nuances to it. It's not just as simple as maybe what you've heard in the media. And Dylan Howard does a great job in getting into uh, all of these details. Just a fascinating story uh, of the life of Aaron Hernandez. You know, you got to think along the way, uh, there could have been so many points at which somebody confronted this young man, made him face the consequences for what he did and could have saved his life in the lives of others, but it's too late for that now. Maybe we can simply learn from the story and uh, use this to educate the next generation. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this broadcast tonight, your Super Bowl alternative. (laughs) If it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.
0: Save on auto insurance for driving
1: safe with USAA Safe Pilot. You'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA Safe Pilot. Restrictions apply. The holidays start here at Kroger with a variety of options to celebrate traditions, old and new. You could do a classic herb roasted turkey or spice it up and make turkey tacos. Serve up a go-to shrimp cocktail or use Simple Truth wild-caught shrimp for your first Cajun risotto. Make creamy mac and cheese or a spinach artichoke fondue from our selection of Murray's cheese. No matter how you shop, Kroger has all the freshest ingredients to embrace all your holiday traditions. Kroger, fresh for everyone.